0: Hey everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of A Journey Into Creativity with me, Mike Raven. In this episode I had the pleasure of speaking with Ella Willis, who is a talented illustrator and content creator based in Newcastle. Ella's work is a beautiful blend of performance and illustration that aims to raise awareness of different aspects of identity. We sat down to discuss the power that creativity holds in helping with self-discovery, how it can foster strong connections with others and why carving out a safe space to create without expectation is vital. It's really nice to meet you. I'm really happy to have you on the podcast. Um, I am going to learn as much about you as everybody listening will as well because we don't know each other. Um, So I'm really excited to have a chat with you. Could we start by you introducing yourself? Give us a little bit of an intro to who you are, where you're from, uh, and, and what you do.
1: Yeah, so I'm Ella. Uh, I am a content creator and illustrator from Newcastle in England. Um, I illustrate, I also make videos talking about being an autistic person, talking about being a trans person, and I sort of use that to influence my artwork. I make funny sketches and also make informative content, I think, that sort of is shareable and has statements in it to. I guess, make an impact and spread awareness around the things that are part of my identity.
0: I found your content super easy to digest. It was almost like I didn't know I was Mm -hmm. learning until it was over. And then I was like, oh, okay, that was cool. Uh, It's so quick as well. I feel like your content, I mean, on the platforms that I've seen you on, um, mainly LinkedIn and TikTok is super bite-sized, very easy to, kind of digest yeah and I
1: think it's because that's the kind of content that I can digest easy so I think it's just been a natural process of me turning that into content myself um I struggle Mm -hmm. with you know working on a project for too long so I tend to just pick up my phone and speak whatever comes out I post um obviously going through it making sure that everything is accurate as possible but you know I just I try not to put too much pressure on it because people can tell like they really can tell if you've put too much into it without it actually being authentic and that's the kind of content that flops yeah. it doesn't do well
0: when did you realize that so the type of content that you're producing it it seems that it's super educational mm-hmm. um it's very inspiring but it's, there's also this kind of thread of advocacy through it as well is that something that you felt like you didn't have or you weren't seeing that you wanted to put out into the world? Yeah.
1: I mean, the reason I started was because I was seeing a lot of things online um, around certain topics, but I didn't feel like people were talking about it enough. So like the first couple of videos that I made were about a terrible film that had come out um, about the autistic community, but nobody had watched it. They were just talking about the trailer. So for me, I was like, I'm going to watch this so that nobody else has to. And I think that allowed me to sort of find a niche, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also meant that it then opened up this door of people going, can you talk about this? What about this experience? And it just ended up being sort of me talking about my experience and the journey that I was going on. And people became invested and it like it blew up in a way that I just never expected. And it it was not intentional. It was never a a goal of mine. Um, But it came very naturally, I think. And yeah, it's still going.
0: (laughs) Well, the reason that you were so invested in that is that because it was a story to do with something that was so related to yourself. Yes.
1: Um, I find it quite easy to talk about myself. And I think that's often viewed as being like egotistical and narcissistic. But I think it's a natural thing to be able to go, this is what's going on inside of my head. Do you relate? (laughs) Um, I think it's a very autistic thing as well to sort of not necessarily see things from other people's perspectives, but not in a bad way.
0: What, first of all, when, when were you diagnosed with autism? When did you first kind of have that solidified for you that, yes, that
1: is the diagnosis? So I got diagnosed this time last year, but I knew a good two years before that. Um, I sort of figured it out while I was in my second year of university um, which was very difficult. Again, it was in lockdown. Um, and I feel like that slowness and the stillness of the world not moving allowed me to really invest time in, okay, what's going on here? Why am I struggling when nobody else is? Um, yeah, and I that is definitely something that I didn't see online, people really talking in depth about the diagnosis process because it's hard and it's traumatizing and nobody really understands that because you just see it as sort of this is what the nhs does this is how you go private and you're going to get diagnosed like that and that is not how it works at all and there are so many bumps in the road and there are so many things that make you feel like you know quitting gaslight yourself into thinking that you're not the imposter syndrome the ableism it's horrible (laughs) it's a it's a really difficult thing to go through
0: so without going over too much of that, because I obviously don't want to bring up anything that's particularly triggering, or but for those who might not know, or for those who could do with a little bit of education mm. on this podcast, what, what's the one thing or what's kind of one clear thing that people should know or something that you would like to tell people about autism?
1: Um, I think a big thing is that we're all different. And if you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. Um, And I think that is the same for sort of every trait that you have, um, that every autistic person that you meet is going to have different needs. They're going to experience the world differently. And there are things that tie us together, obviously, and there are common themes within it. But you need to understand that you cannot apply your knowledge from one autistic person to another and expect that to be received well because I find that you often get stereotyped you are often told what you can and can't do because of that label which is completely you know silly because just like anything every human is different every human has different capabilities things that they're going to struggle with and I think if people understand understood that more and had more empathy for that the world would be a lot easier for us and it is a disability as well I think people need to understand that too is that Inherently, it is a disability, and there are things that I do think I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't have an autistic brain, but I am a disabled person, and that's not a bad word. Um, and I think that needs to be understood more, because I hate the phrase "autism is a superpower," because it's not. There are definitely things that are great about it, but I am a disabled person, and it's disabling for me to be autistic.
0: On the subject of autism, that has brought about this kind of new world of creativity for you. You've started posting these videos online. You've started getting into, you know, building new Mm. communities. And I feel like, I mean, when when I look through your Instagram and your TikTok, like there are so many comments, such an active community of people talking. How has that helped your personal kind of creative journey?
1: I genuinely feel like it's been a form of therapy for me. And I think it's allowed me to reflect on myself more. Um, I think there's something about picking up my phone and sort of unloading all of these thoughts that I've been having and unpacking and posting it and having people go, yeah, I understand that. And then adding on to that and then saying, what about this? Oh, well, I feel like it impacts me in that way. And it's allowed me to go, "Okay, yeah. And then I'll make another video on that and then it'll happen again. And it's just this thing that spirals where it's sort of just an endless conversation of me discovering something and therefore somebody else discovers something and then they help me with that. And I don't think I'd be at the point of my self understanding if I hadn't done it. Um, if I didn't do what I was doing and for that, I'm so grateful. Like it's really, really been a form of therapy a hundred.
0: This is something that's come up in nearly every conversation that I've had now. So the whole purpose of me beginning this podcast was because I found and felt um, a real sense of self-identity in creativity. I felt like I need it. I felt like I don't exist fully without Mm -hmm. it. And I feel like everybody has that form of journey somehow, somewhere. Um, It either lives within them innately, or it's something that comes to them and helps them self actualize and self-realize and become a better
1: definitely and it's it's the kind of thing where i don't want to become too dependent on it because i just have this fear that it's going to disappear one day and like the internet is going to be gone <laughs> um but while it's here i am thriving off it and now it's my job which is like a wild thing to say so not only do i feel like it's been a form of therapy it also pays my bills which i'm never going to complain about you know
0: i mean that's such such an amazing thing to happen in such a short space of time as well, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still developing. It's still um, a very rocky employment, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's within six months, I was monetizing my content, which is just mm-hmm. wild um, and it's it's slowly becoming bigger and bigger and I'm understanding my value and stuff. Um, but it's also just so new. It really is a new way for people to work. And as much as YouTube and YouTubers have been around for a while, that's still, in the grand scheme of things, a very short time for it to be a job role, you know? Um, And I feel like I learn something new every day about it. And, again, that's why it's been so important that I've made so many friends who are in the same realm um, because we support each other, and it's great.
0: (laughs) And do you you find it that... Not do you find it easy to make friends through that way, but do you find that you're able to make connections and friendships through that just through being open to those conversations? Is it really about just fully embracing what you're trying to achieve with that if you're you're patient? Yeah, I guess
1: so. I think it's been easy to find very like-minded people, um, which I think is like really healthy and necessary, especially when you're going into your twenties and sort of, developing into an adult um it's definitely been important and one of the things that I've been trying to do more is really allowing myself to have a network of people because it's so easy to just say no and not reply and I still struggle with that um but I think it's because I know that it's been helpful for me I'm trying to allow myself to do it more and everybody's amazing everybody within the community is just it, like the disabled community in that online space is incredible. Like any events that I've been to any sort of people that I've met, it's just been amazing. And I've had the best time.
0: Also, I feel like your creativity has helped to unlock those connections as well, because if you hadn't embraced mm. that, those connections wouldn't be happening at this point in time. Absolutely.
1: And I think I found that I'm trying to not put that, in a specific box and like sort of label it too much because every time I find a new outlet, I create a new community and then I find new people, you know, whether it's it like I'm illustrating a lot more and posting my content a lot more. and um, whereas I wasn't really doing that say three, four months ago. And I found that that has now brought in new people. So, you know, the next thing that I come up with, that's going to find a new group of people and a new outlet. and. Yeah, I think it's, it, it, it's absolutely integral to me and what I do.
0: I'm glad you brought up the illustration, actually, because that was one thing that I, I noticed outside of the content that I kind of saw from you originally. Like I, I entered through this more educational, supportive content. I then found mm. the illustrative content. I then saw the book that you've illustrated. That's just come out?
1: Yes, it came out about a month ago
0: and that book is called the autistic guide to adventure um which is fully fully illustrated by you
1: uh, yeah, all of the illustrations that are inside are mine yes
0: tell us a little bit about that project how that came about what the book's about yes
1: yeah, so um i got contacted about about that book um late 2021 and ali the author just contacted me and said hey i'm writing a book for people to do adventurous things as an autistic person and I want some illustration content and I just said yes there was no questions there was no send me some more details I just said yes and it was actually the first professional project that I'd ever worked on um, as an illustrator and it's been amazing like I feel so privileged that that first professional piece of work is on something that really really relates to me and it's not just something where I'm Somebody's told me what they want and I'm, I'm drawing it and bringing it to life. It's something that actually I'm bringing to life parts of me, you know, that um, are so amazing because there's ad- like adventurous things in there that I did as a child. And so many people have said, I wish I had this as a kid or I really wish I'd had this while I was parenting my child and things like that. And it's just it's been so needed and it's, it's one of a kind. There is nothing else on the market that is like that which is pretty cool
0: like such an amazing book i mean it seems like there's so much in there that will help young autistic people as well and i feel like the illustrations really help to bring to life the adventures that they can go on and the things that they can do
1: absolutely and it covers so much things that i think non-autistic people would not assume would be helpful you know, it goes through the sensory expectations, mm-hmm. what the cost is, what you can expect, answering, you know, frequently asked questions or things that you might not need, you might not know that you need support for. And I think having illustrations just provides that visual aspect because sometimes I can struggle to understand something unless I can see it. Um, so not only yeah. does it bring it to life, it also helps. It's also something that makes things more accessible is having a drawing. Um which has been really fun to see it come to life and on shelves and actually in print.
0: <laughs> Where can people purchase the book?
1: Um, so it's at most big retailers online, Waterstones, WH Smith, Amazon. And I'm pretty sure Amazon does uh, worldwide shipping, which is the best place to go if you're looking for it internationally.
0: Or You, you um, touched on a second ago, your collective yeah. um and the collective is called the canny queer collective a newcastle based where yeah. you're based did you start the collective
1: yes so i um messaged a group chat that i was in with a lot of queer people in the area um at the end of 2021 and i was like would anybody want to get involved in doing something like this because i was lonely and there was nothing and i felt like what am i going to do i'm not going to make any friends and I'm, like, I'm just going to do it myself um And we had an initial meeting at the beginning of last year and now it's a group of me and my friends and we run sort of a little bit of everything. There is no clear path of what it is. We do coffee mornings, we do trips to local um, markets, sometimes we do big music events. It's sort of a little bit of everything and it's mainly to cater for people who don't like drinking or don't want to do nighttime events because so much of queer culture is focused around alcohol and nightlife. And quite a lot of people don't feel safe doing that or they don't drink. Um, so that's what that was mainly for. And it's just grown and grown and it's really a lovely space, like really lovely.
0: It's so nice to hear about encouraging ways to socialize and express yourself and, and kind of be with other people in the community that doesn't involve going out and yeah
1: i mean that's not how i make friends like i'm not going to meet my best friend or a potential partner or whatever when i'm drunk in the middle of a dance floor and i can't even hear them speak you know that's just not like that doesn't feel healthy or safe to me whereas a coffee meeting you end up meeting so many different people who are already a friendship group or people are coming on their own and you just end up chatting to people and it's a, it's a really lovely space. And not only do I feel like we're providing that for people, I also think it's helped me um, meet like-minded people, which is always great, again.
0: And is that something where you kind of inject your creativity into that collective as yeah, well? Yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, we've got a illustration workshop coming up um, in collaboration with Unmasked, which is Ellie Middleton's community, um, which is something that I'll be running, which is exciting. And I think it's also because we don't have a set plan of where we want to take it. We're always looking for fresh and new ideas and it's always exciting to be like, oh, this is new. This is something we've not done before. Let's see how it goes. We do open mic nights as well, which is the talent in Newcastle in the queer community is just unbelievable. Like somebody new comes every time and it's just unreal.
0: I'm really interested to know Do you remember a first time that you kind of really needed creativity in your life or when you first realized that it was important to you? Yeah,
1: um, I think I remember one of the things that sparked it for me was I won this art competition when I was six and I was not... I I was a creative child, but it wasn't my only outlet. Um, And I won this competition when I was six. It was this national competition where... You designed a Christmas card in school. And I didn't know it was a competition when I drew it. And I won, I think it was the five to eight category. And I was on the news. They made this big like light out of it on Durham Marketplace and put it up in the marketplace. And I just remember it was the first time I felt seen. It was the first time where I'd gone, oh, wow, I'm a person. I can be perceived. People see me. And it wasn't for something negative, like getting told off or something in school. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed that feeling. And I think it was the first time that I'd had any kind of like affirmation that I could actually draw, even though I was only six. Um, and it felt very special to me. And it was like, whoa, there's actually a whole creative world out there. And it was really cool. Really cool. It's one of my most fondest memories, I think. You say like that's.
0: I can imagine that would feel amazing and I can imagine, I can understand why all of a sudden you'd want to harness that feeling and, and carry on. Yeah. With
1: and it was just the, the strangest feeling in the world that something that I could create because it's not encouraged in school to be creative is not encouraged. It's something that's it's a side thing, but it's never going to be your life, you know. Um, so I think it was I think it was one of the first times where I realized, oh, this is actually a bigger world than just, you know, some pens and pencils on a desk and you do it when you're bored. Um, and I it definitely got stomped on a lot more as I moved through secondary school. But
0: The notion that creativity is the execution of being creative, it's the drawing, it's the final act, is the misconception, right? This This thing that it's like, oh, well, that's just frivolous fun mm-hmm. for you to do mm-hmm. in your spare time. It, it's totally misunderstood that the, the creativity of thought, and I, that's something I see in your content and when and talking to you a lot is it's not just creativity in the sense of your illustration yeah. or or kind of bringing things to life it's cre- it's a creative mind yeah. and how that can help you to thrive and how that can help you to problem solve or look at things from a different perspective and I don't think you'd be able to do that if you hadn't embraced
1: your creativity exactly i I do think that people get stuck on the whole it means that you can paint which is just not it at all it's you know being able to think outside the box coming up with new ideas and it's that's the kind of thing it's strange because employers encourage that because they need people to come up with new ideas but that is a creative mind you might not be artistic but you're creative and i think you know every invention had to come from a creative mind. If we encouraged it more, even if it was just being able to think a little bit differently, um, people would be happier. It's it's difficult because being able to, you know, just embrace your creativity allows you to go on different paths and come up with different mediums of expression and employment. And, you know, I think it's very sad.
0: (laughs) I think it is. And it's like, to me, it's almost like, and understand science but the arts as a vocation um as a way to kind of better understand humanity Mm -hmm. is something completely untapped and something not completely untapped but underutilized yeah and something that if we lent into more or allowed students individuals to explore themselves through that. I just think, like, I honestly think it would solve nearly all of our problems.
1: You know, during the first lockdown, the things that people were encouraging when you were stuck at home was read, paint, pick up a new hobby. Oh, um, this theatre is releasing at-home versions of this play. And it's, you know, the first thing that people are encouraging is the arts. They're they're encouraging you to do this for your mental health. I look at my younger self and I feel so sorry for them because I was confused. I was, you know, I had no idea where I was going in life because the way that my brain worked was not being lifted up. It was being
0: pushed down.
1: And like, had I not found this online space, I don't know where I'd be because like, I was just forced into boxes that didn't work for me. And I'd probably be really unhealthy mentally if I hadn't had this outlet and I probably would have been saved a lot of hard times had I been encouraged into these outlets already as a child. I
0: don't think it's the social stigma that's attached to it as well, right? We, we try to over intellectualize everything, like talking about the academia, Mm -hmm. like it's so funny. Like the first thing you point out is read more and what we do is we study artistic writing Mm -hmm. and then we try and intellectualize it and then we try and judge it and we try and put a formula around it and it's like well hang on a minute why don't we actually just embrace the Mm -hmm. creativity of that and understand how it makes us feel and and understand how we then might use that to help us express ourselves with each other and become nicer better people exactly
1: like i remember i told my biology teacher who was also my head of year when i was in sixth form that i was taking drama as an a-level And he scoffed and he was like, you're never going to use that. That's not a real subject. And I have used my drama A-level and what I learned in that more in my life than I have used my A-level biology. Like I don't go around quoting photosynthesis every day, but I do use the confidence that I built in that classroom as a drama student every day. It's. I mean, if I hadn't took drama, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now because it, it made me find a love for performing. And that's what I do online. And I think it's just so sad that I was trying to listen to an academic man with no creativity judge me on my creativity. Like, that's the last person I should be listening to, you know?
0: I mean, to take it back to what we were talking about at the start in terms of, you know, support, this idea of not understanding being a blocker, I this has come up in some of my past conversations as well. Is I think that I honestly think that everybody is creative. Yeah. Interestingly, I think drama is a lot of the time a bit of a springboard into visual arts yeah. as well. It gives you these life yeah. skills. It, it sets you up to understand how to engage mm-hmm. with people how to have self-confidence yeah. like you say and i feel like of course of course you learned so much from yeah that. like why wouldn't you and the fact that those people wouldn't understand is so strange yeah, and
1: it's not even necessarily what you learn it's also i feel like a lot of especially queer and autistic people relate to feeling connected to your art teacher or feeling connected to your drama teacher, because they're one of the first people that understand you. And they're one of the first people that allow you to express yourself. And I think what I took away from my drama class is it was the first time somebody had allowed me to stand up on stage and do what I wanted or talk to them about, you know, what's going on inside of my head. And I think for that, You know, I mean, one of the first things that I think about whenever I have success in anything is oh, I wish I could tell my drama teacher or I wish I could show this to my art teacher or my English teacher, because they were the first people that believed in me. And I connected to and I think that in itself is really special. If all of your teachers were like that, imagine how amazing school would be.
0: What I find interesting is the arts in general are so subjective. Mm -hmm. There's no right answer. But there's actually a beauty in that because when you're young and when you're given the opportunity to kind of express yourself and there's a level of truth that you experience for the first time, that's when all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, okay, here is an entirely new level of something I've never Mm. felt or never understood before. And I still don't don't think you know that at the time necessarily, but I feel like hearing you talk, that idea of
1: truth, Mm.
0: of finally being able to express or... Do something that's so innate to who you are, and not be judged for it.
1: It means that when people engage in your art, when people engage in your performance or whatever, you are connecting to people who may have felt unseen. And there is something so special about going to see something or engaging with something and going, "Oh, whoa! Somebody's put that into words, or somebody has visualised how I feel, what I've been through." And I think that's amazing because not everybody's going to get it. And that's because everything is so different and everything is subjective. But I just think that the arts allow people to connect on a different level. And I think that's pretty special.
0: How has creativity helped you to find a place in the world?
1: Mm, I think, I mean, for one, it's like become my platform. But I think, like I was saying earlier, it's, I think every time I do something, I learn a little something new about myself. Um, whether it's somebody alerting me to that or whether it's some like me in the process of doing something, even if it's like figuring out what I struggle with. I think drawing and illustration has allowed me to realise things about my brain and my sort of process of doing things. Um And I think it's allowed me to connect with myself in a way that I I don't think I ever would had I gone down the path that school wanted me to. Um, Yeah. And I think I I feel content. It's the first time in my life where I've felt content and I'm happy with where my life is at, which I think a lot of 23-year-olds don't get to say that until, you know they're in a place where they've got their own home or they're having children or whatever, because that's not my idea of contentment. Um, And I, I genuinely feel at peace with my life, which is great. I
0: feel like it's made you very self-aware.
1: 100%. 100%. Um, sometimes I'll make a video and then I'll watch it back and I'm like, whoa, I did this thing or I said something in that way. Um, And people will point things out to me or... Yeah, I think it's allowed me to understand what works for me as well.
0: I think a lot of the time, people would be a lot better if they forced themselves out of that safety bubble and tried to do those more creative things.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that you're not going to learn anything about yourself if you're constantly in your safe space. And obviously, you have to look after your safety. But in terms of you know trying something new... Even if you don't like it, you've learned something that you know you're not going to like, so you don't need to do it again. Um, And it's going to push you in a different direction, which is great, I think. There are lots of projects that I've tried and thought, yes, this is going to be my life. And then it's now just in a heap in the corner of my room that I've not looked at in over a year. Um, But, you know, I learned something new and I moved on.
0: Talking about those lessons, is there one particular lesson that's kind of, that stands out to you in terms of what you've learned through your creativity? Mm.
1: I think a big thing that I learned recently is that you don't have to finish things, that things don't have to have a complete sticker on them, you know? And there are so, again, there's so many things that I've picked up and then just stop doing and even when it's simple things just like a new illustration there are so many drafts that I've not finished and that's okay because I learned a new skill while I was doing it or it it rubbed away the boredom or it like it allowed me to come up with something different that I preferred and that's okay and I think sometimes we get so obsessed with having to finish things and if you don't finish it means it's broken or it's wrong or You know, that incomplete is a bad word when it's not, it's just not done and that's okay and you can leave it and move on.
0: The idea, I feel like we are always striving for this kind of perfect package of this end product. I'm very guilty of that. I I very much like things to be perfectly finished, nice fine edges, uh, but there is actually a bit of beauty Mm -hmm. in in not worrying about that and and just kind of embracing the process. Yeah.
1: And not looking at it as a failure, as if you have failed and you are broken when that is just so not true. Um, There are plenty of things that need drafts and plenty of things that need sort of a rough copy before anything is finished. And just look at them like that and don't beat yourself up because you didn't finish it.
0: That idea of like time uh, and enjoying the time spent mm. rather than wishing the time away um, is something that I think creativity can help mm. with a lot as well. I think if you embrace that, um, and you know, we do creative things because we love yeah. them. So we should enjoy doing them.
1: Yeah, right? 100%. And I, I think that's a hard lesson to learn as well, because I think that you can get caught up in doing things that you don't enjoy because you think you should be doing them. And yeah, that can be difficult. And sometimes it can hit you like a ton of bricks all at once of like, okay, I actually don't enjoy this anymore. Um, There are lots of things that I, you know, projects that I started online that I don't do anymore. People loved them, but they exhausted me. And I think Mm -hmm. that is the, the most important thing is that it wasn't healthy for me. And just because other people enjoyed it doesn't mean that I had to do that for them. Um, It's my platform. I can do what I want with it. And it it needs to be a safe space for me too. Because I think a lot of the time people are like, oh, you're so safe and this is a safe space, but I want it to be safe for me as well. And it's not going to be if I don't look after myself in that way.
0: I think it's really good to have those boundaries, but also that self-awareness to be like, no, no, actually, let's let's turn it back around onto me now. Let's not worry about obviously everything around especially with your platforms everything around the platforms that you use for your content sorry um it's about engaging with people but you can quite often overlook yourself yeah. as the creator as well
1: yeah and i th- i think when i first started i definitely did that because i saw you know my followers shoot up my engagement shoot up and i was overworking myself to produce that and it's absolutely slowed down now but that's not a bad thing. It's because I've slowed down because I'm not overworking myself. Mm
0: -hmm. It feels like you've got a very safe space that you've created for yourself Mm. outside of for everyone else as well now. Um, Has that been something that you've always been aware of or has that been something that you've had to work on? I
1: I think I've always been aware of it because I've, I've always felt very lucky especially when I'm looking at other creators constantly talking about the abuse that they're facing or sort of always seeing horrible comments and people moving over to their platforms. I feel like I've escaped it a little bit and I do feel very lucky in that sense. There's definitely been some horrible things. um, But I feel like I have a lovely platform of people who regularly engage in the things that I do. which is lovely, especially now that I've got physical spaces like The Collective and things like that. Yeah, It's really, it's really been great, and I think those things have ended up coming out of that, um, which I love. I really love, and I hope that it's sort of a legacy that I leave in Newcastle.
0: Your, um, your content quite clearly has had an impact or has been a way for you to express how you deal with, cope with, express yourself and your autism. I'm really interested to know, has your creativity ever been used as a way for you to explore or express your queerness as well?
1: Yeah, I think so. Probably in ways that I don't really understand quite yet. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I like to sort of turn my experiences into relatable content. I think one of my most popular... um, series is audition tapes about my mom so like this is an audition tape for the role of my mom when i came out to her and sort of like mimicking her and mocking her in a in a funny way in a dramatic way um and i think it might sound dramatic but sometimes making those videos allows me to assess the situation that actually happened and go oh okay I'm actually, you know, I actually had a very healthy conversation with my mom when coming out and things like that. And yeah, I think it allows other people to see quite quite heavy situations as something very light, which I think we need, especially in the queer community, um, because there's so much heaviness. Um, and sometimes you need something that's a little bit lighter to feel safe and like you're not constantly under attack.
0: I would agree. I feel like there's a lot of f- direction in the news, which is negative. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of animosity internally within the community yeah. that I think we need to stamp out. And I think creativity is, is a way mm. for us to kind of help do that.
1: Absolutely. Like I think it, I think people reach for those outlets when bad things are happening you know to remind them that it's not all bad because you can get so mm-hmm. caught up in look at all of these anti-trans legisl- legislations happening at the moment look at what's happening to the trans community whilst it's so important that we listen to that and we engage in that we also need to take a step back and I think a part of that is engaging in the community in this inspiring, Way, because there are so many people making amazing content in the queer community and making light of situations and yeah it's definitely needed
0: if you had to try and sum up how creativity makes you feel Mm. could you
1: no i don't think i could i'm not sure i could because i i think it's i have so many different creative outlets you know i love to perform Mm -hmm. i love to draw Um, I guess it's a sort of freedom because there are no rules. And I think that's amazing. Um, and I think it's a little bit of an extension of my brain in an outside space, which is also amazing. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's something to do with freedom. I think it's like being able to do what you want and hopefully not have people tell you that it's wrong.
0: I like that. I also like that it's still ambiguous and that it can mean something Mm. different to you on different days as well. Yeah. Your content, your illustration, your creativity, um, my perception of it is that it's big, that it's exciting, that it's supportive, um, it's expressive. Uh, I feel like I, I see lots of expression in kind of the kind of different facets of your creativity kind of from what I see across all the platforms you use one thing I notice a lot of um, is color yeah. as well and I'm looking at your yeah. living room there as well has color always been a big thing for you yeah
1: I mean one of my earliest hyperfixations fixations was purple like everything had to be purple and then now I think it's just such a source of joy. You know, I love clashing patterns. I love clashing colours. Every single room in my house is sort of, you know, this room here is pink and orange and um, red, whereas the room next door is stripes of different colours. And I just think it, it... If you're not surrounding yourself in your own home with what brings you joy, you're never going to be happy. And for me, I don't care whether somebody walks in here and go, whoa, this is going to give me a migraine. For me, it's like my safe space. And I love color, Mm -hmm. even clothing. Like I love colorful fashion. Um, I think it's so exciting. And like looking in the mirror and just feeling excited by what you're wearing. Like, why would I want to be boring? And I get some funny looks. I definitely get some funny looks. My dad always says that old people, like older people tend to look at me and they're like, whoa, what is that? Which I think is hilarious. And I also love it. Um, but yeah, I love colour a lot.
0: <laughs> they're, not used, they're not used to somebody <laughs> expressing them.
1: Really. Yeah, I agree. Um, they, it's either old people or children. And I love it because I think that children are maybe looking at me and going... I can do that. Like that's allowed. And I think that's important, like massively important. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I used to be so scared of leaving the house in certain outfits that I had when I was younger. Because I was like, people are staring at me when they weren't. And um, yeah, I wish I'd I'd had that affirmation as a child, that like fashion is a statement and it's great.
0: I feel like it all ties in with everything that you do with your content Mm. as well. This idea of the process of a of a creative mind of creative thoughts, like it feels to me, like all of these little jigsaw puzzle pieces are forming this kind of wider mm-hmm. part of who you are, what you're saying, what you're saying to people. You know, your fashion, the thoughts that you have, the way that you put out into the world, the illustration you throw in with that. It's all this kind of it's all supporting this message that you're pumping out into the world. And again, I think that you know, I said it feels your content feels very positive, mm-hmm. and I think that your love of color has something to do with communicating that as well yeah
1: i think so and i think sometimes i don't see that because i i can really struggle with sort of understanding the way that i'm perceived um and i I think that's another reason why like online platforms have been great because it's allowed people to say things like that to me and i've gone oh okay now i understand myself a little better because of other people's perceptions Mm. of me and i think i mean if that's what people take away is positivity I'm, I'm not going to complain about that Like I'm going to be happy about that
0: <laughs> I would, I would absolutely I also wouldn't worry too much about what people think of you I
1: don't, like I From a, a young age My teachers would say to me Wow you're very careless about the way that people think of you Or you know you've got such a confidence Because I don't care Like unless I've done something horrible Which I hope I never have I do not care what people think of me. Like, I really do not care if somebody thinks I'm too much because to a lot of people I'm not. And that's enough for me, you know. What do you think
0: it is about how you think that helps you to be able to live life that way?
1: I don't know, you know. I think a lot of it comes down to my parents, I think, is... You know, especially my dad, because he had he always encouraged sort of being different and um, having a creative outlet. Like he always encouraged that in me. And I think it's just because it's it, it's now become such an inherent thing in what I do. Um, yeah. And I, I hope that maybe my content inspires that in other people, because I think people need that. People need that. Like. affirmation that people don't judge you as much as you judge yourself and the biggest judge especially in creative things is yourself like the way that I scrutinize my artwork nobody does that to to my artwork when they're looking at it and I think you can apply that to wider life as well
0: absolutely you're always your own Mm -hmm. worst critic so a few a few final quickfire questions for you first one what do you think is more important the process of being creative or the
1: outcome? Definitely the process. I think because we touched on, you know, learning about yourself through it.
0: Next one. Do you think that creativity informs your identity or is your identity informed by your creativity?
1: I, I'm i going to go rogue and I feel like it's a mixture of both. Like, I, I feel like that's just a cycle that sort of flips from one to the other of... I figured this out about myself Mm because I've been creative and this about myself.
0: What can those listening take away from your journey or your approach to creativity?
1: To not listen to the haters. Don't listen to the people that, you know, push you down because you can make a career out of it and that's okay.
0: And I feel like by listening to yourself and loving yourself a little bit more, you'll discover more Mm. about yourself and it will therefore be easier to do those things you love as well. Yes,
1: definitely. And I think you need to have an enjoyment in what you do and have like a lust for life, I guess, um, in order to create stuff that feels that way to other people.
0: Ella, thank you so much. Where can people find more of your work, find out more about you, see your content.
1: Um, so I am underscore Ella Willis on Instagram, which is where I post a lot of, you know, advocacy and more intimate things, I guess. And you can find me on LinkedIn, where I post a lot of important information. And my Etsy, where you can buy my artwork, is also linked in all of those socials. And I have a TikTok as well, but that's mainly silly.
0: And the book is out now and you can find yeah. it in All Good Retailers. Yes. thanks for listening to self-esteem find out more information about this week's guests in the show notes follow us at self-esteem that's s-l-f-e-s-t-m everywhere and check out our website for extended interviews and more episodes selfesteem.com s-l-f-e-s-t-m if you like what you've heard today Please like, subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. It all helps. See you next episode for another journey into creativity.